Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We're equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. And thanks to my kids for their help with the special project there at the beginning. Um, There's a couple of new things that are going to be coming up on the podcast, and I'm not going to share a ton of details with it. I'm just going to leave that as as a spoiler. But I will tell you that today we're kicking off a brand new series called Base Camp. And today, Pastor Todd McQueen is going to be leading us through the first chapter of Romans, and he's going to show that the gospel reveals God's righteousness and gives our life purpose. Now, before we get started, I just want to remind you that there are links for all of the scripture references that he's going to be going through in the episode description. So wherever you're downloading and listening to this, you should be able to look just below and find a link to the passages that we're talking about. Additionally, there's PowerPoints there and other resources to help you find Grace Church of Ocala. So let's dive in. Well, good morning, church. We start a brand new series this morning, and I'm really, really excited about it because we are starting in the book of Romans, and we are using the title Base Camp. How many in here have been camping? Okay, so you've been camping. You have really important things to take camping. If you get excited about camping and you take off and you head into the Akala National Forest or you head up into the Wallapais in Arizona and you forget a tent, what is your, how, how good's the camping going to go? Or you forget water. Or you forget food. It's not going to go well. So when you set up base camp, When you're heading out on an expedition, when you're going out exploring, you really have to set up a very good quality base camp. Today, we're going to talk about the most important thing about base camp, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Now, as we go through Romans, and Romans is kind of like saddling up to the buffet of really good ribeye, filet mignon, Pork belly out of a smoker. Delicious meats, but it's thick. It's heavy. There's a lot in there. The book of Romans is an incredible document that God has given us about what is the gospel, who is Jesus, and what is our relationship to him. We are going to go just through the first eight chapters in Romans. Now, I challenge everybody this morning to pick up a Bible reading guide. The Bible reading guide goes through the first eight chapters, line by line. And what you'll study before you come in on Sunday is what I'll be preaching on on Sunday. But this way, you can go up to Romans, carve off a piece of beautiful steak, and chew on it, digest it, and then apply it, and then come and join with the rest of the family and interact over the book of Romans. This Bible reading guide has a lot of questions, and it's given a lot of room for you to fill in answers. 
And the greatest thing is not for us as leadership to say, wow, everybody knows how to set up base camp. Everybody knows the fundamentals of their faith. Everybody knows what the foundational principles of our faith are built upon. Good. Now we go from knowledge, knowing to doing. You can be really good at your job and know everything about your job and not do a thing. Amen. <laughs> right. We can, as followers of Jesus, learn a whole lot about God, even be able to tell other people that we've studied his word. But until we take that good news of Jesus Christ to our communities by word and by action, we've yet to do what Jesus has asked us to do. So as you turn to Romans, we're going to set up base camp this morning where we're going to define what the gospel is. And Pastor Michael and I have worked really hard at defining what the gospel is. And you'll watch this video now, and hopefully it'll give you some a short insight. Here at Grace Church of... Locala, we talk about the Bible a lot, which can be intimidating if you've never really done that before. But we want you to know that the Bible is a big book that tells a simple story. God created you. God loves you. God wants you to know Him. And God's love means you must make a choice. In the beginning, God created everything that exists. He made a man named Adam from dust and a woman named Eve from Adam's side. After He finished making everything, God said, It is very good. But it wasn't very good for very long. People rebelled against God and sin entered God's perfect world. Not only was creation messed up, but also every single person ever born. Yet from the first mention of sin, God began showing his perfect love for the people who abandoned him by providing a way that they could be restored to him forever. Throughout the whole Bible, God illustrates unmerited favor by withholding what we rightly deserve for our rebellion and deliberately meeting our need for redemption. He loves his creation, and he loves us, most of all. Because of his passionate love for us, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, be placed in a tomb, rise again, and has promised he will return again to make all things new. Because of Jesus' work, we may have bold confidence that the Creator God has never lost sight of us, and never stopped loving us with an all-powerful love. Each of us must come to the point in our lives where we remove ourselves from the throne of our life and place God upon it. We do this by confessing that we are sinners in need of salvation from our rebellion. We repent of those sins and trust that Jesus has forgiven them completely through his death and resurrection. Repenting just means we turn from the direction we are headed without God and reorient ourselves to live in light of what God has done for us in Jesus. Then we can be confident that he has saved us. And this confidence does not come from anything we can do. It comes from the perfection of the work Jesus has already done. And this is the good news of the Bible. This is the gospel. We hope you'll join us in experiencing this truth and growing in an intimate relationship with the Creator God who loves you. So the gospel is good news. 
The gospel basically is every kid's answer to every Bible quiz is what? Jesus. But the gospel really is Jesus. Now, the, the cool thing about Romans is we're going to learn about the gospel this morning in the very first chapter. Then we're going to fill in more and more details about that as we go from chapter 1, as we start trekking through the mountains of Romans from base camp and see that, wow, there is eight chapters chock full of what the definition of the gospel is. So turn with me to Romans chapter 1. And this morning we're going to see that God reveals, the gospel reveals God's righteousness and gives us our life purpose. The good news of Jesus Christ reveals God's righteousness and gives us our life purpose. So turn to Romans chapter 1. The good news, the gospel. This is on page 778. If you have one of our story Bibles this morning. Romans 1, starting in verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his holy prophets, through his prophets in the holy scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Romans 1, 1 through 7, is basically Paul is writing to the people in Rome, and he's got his first super long run-on sentence. If you're an English major this morning, the book of Romans and Paul's letters will drive you berserk. The guy did not know what a period was. He loved commas. So you're like, how many of you, when I get done reading that, and you're like, what in the world? When I start my letters, I say, dear dude. Or in the email, you don't even put dear. You just start right in. The book of Romans starts with Paul saying, let me introduce you an idea, introduce to you an idea. And that is, by the way, the gospel. And there's three purposes of base camp right here in this introduction. Very first verse, we are servants or slaves of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I'm a servant or a slave of Christ Jesus. We don't like this term today. This is socially... No, I'm politically correct. While it's not a friendly term today, it wasn't necessarily with the same baggage in Rome. Yeah, but the core of the idea remains. We are purchased, we are owned, and we're given purpose by our new loving master. Coming to follow Jesus and accepting the truth of the gospel means he's the master, I'm the servant. We're not the master Jesus is. And we're all called to be little A apostles. Paul says, I'm an apostle. What is an apostle? It means to be sent, one of the sent ones. Your mission is to go and make disciples who make disciples. Jesus' expectation is that once we come to know him, we carry the good news or the gospel to others, disciple those younger in the faith. And get this, you're not saved for your sake. The gospel isn't really all about you. 
Look at the end of verse 5. For the sake of his name, your salvation because of the gospel is for Jesus' sake. So for God's sake is the gospel. We are set apart for the goods, God's good news or the gospel. It's our reason for life. We are spiritually raised from the dead with a new life. This new life makes followers of Jesus separate from the community. We are set apart. Why? To be separate? The Amish are really good at this. I lived in Ohio where there was a bunch of Amish. They're easy to pick out, you know, the whole two horsepower thing or one horsepower. But you are set apart because of the gospel to be sent back in. You are, you are to be a follower of Jesus for Jesus' sake, to be a herald of the truth, to proclaim the gospel to other people. He has separated you to himself to send you back to people. So there's three, right in the first verse, three purposes for base camp. You're a slave now to a new master. You're called to be sent out for him. And you're set apart to declare the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So what is the gospel? I'm glad you asked. Because when we set up base camp, the logical thing to do is set up shelter. A safe place during the storms. In chapter 2, we're going to figure out why we need shelter. And it's called wrath. God's wrath. So you need shelter in base camp. And the gospel provides you that shelter. The gospel is your spiritual place of rest. The gospel gives us purpose. And if it does, we better clearly articulate what it is. So look at verse 2. This is why we read the scriptures this morning, Pastor Ryan did. Verse 2. The gospel has been God's good news clear throughout the scripture. God has always made a way to reconcile himself with people. Grace. This goes clear back to Genesis 3.15. As we read in Daniel, and we read in Isaiah, this isn't a new idea. God's always made a way for a people to have a renewed relationship with him. But the clarity of Jesus Christ being the focal point of the gospel comes really in the tight focus. Because he was literally born a direct descendant of David. Because Jesus is the good news. He's good news for salvation, and he's also incredibly good news for a people called Israel. Because God made a promise to David, and he said, from you, one of your kids will sit on a throne in Israel and literally rule from Jerusalem. I believe that to be true. Right here at the beginning of Paul, writing to an audience, says, by the way, Jesus is a direct descendant of David. He will be a ruler someday. That's good news if you're Jewish. That's your king, and he will return. Every human dies, but Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus' resurrection from the dead not only proved that God's payment for sin was made in full by Jesus, but the resurrection of the dead, in this text right here, Paul says, that's how God said, that's God. Jesus raising from the dead through the power of the Holy Spirit identifies him as deity. He is the son of man. That's why we read from Daniel, the cool picture of God the Father sitting on the throne with the wool hair and all that stuff is kind of like what you think of. 
Then some reason in Daniel, another dude shows up called the Son of Man, and the Ancient of Days, God the Father hands over all dominion to him. What? Who did God hand over the dominion to? Well, we know in Ephesians 1 that when Jesus raised from the dead, the God the Father handed over to him dominion over everything, to rule over everything. So literally, Jesus is a descendant of David. He rose from the dead, declaring he was God. And this gives us grace. Jesus' victory over sin and death gives us grace. While we have sinned, Jesus pays the price. He took on our punishment and offers salvation through faith to anyone who would believe. That's grace. Jesus' good news also gives us apostleship to be sent out. Go. You are a commissioned ambassador to your community where you work, where you live, where your neighborhood is, where you punch the time clock, and where you have coffee. And while you're going, make disciples. Declare the availability of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So these two give us our lifelong purpose, and that is to build Jesus' reputation. Because the reason why we share the good news is for Jesus' sake, for his name, for his name over and over again from the Hebrew scriptures through the New Testament means for his reputation. So, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection, and promised return of Jesus Christ is all for the Father's glory and for Jesus' namesake, for his reputation. And it gives us our life purpose. So move with me to Romans 1 and verse 8. The gospel gives us a prayer for purpose, prayer in action. After Paul's introduction, he's going to pray. Go with me to verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, as in that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul prays. And Paul prays and thanks God for the faith of Jesus' followers in Rome because their faith has been proclaimed all over the place. Do you pray for other followers of Jesus and you're thankful to God because other people in Ocala, in the springs, in the shores are following Jesus and declaring his name? Because they're living out their faith in action. Isn't it amazing? He says, your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. So stop here for a second. Your address is whatever, whatever, southwest corner road, radio, whatever, in Ocala. How is your faith proclaimed in that neighborhood? 
because you have received the gospel in order to then declare it. And Paul's incredibly thankful to these people who he really, really wants to see, but he knows they're living for Jesus because he's heard rumors of so. So pray and thank God for Jesus' followers, those who have accepted what the good news of Jesus Christ is, because they're proclaiming their faith. So how do you proclaim your faith? What's that look like at work? What does that look like at home? What does that look like on Facebook? What does that look like in your neighborhood? What does that look like in school? Or wherever you are. Marine Boot Camp is going to be an incredible good place for that. So you pray for other people who are following Jesus that their faith may be proclaimed and think, wow, Lord, how then will I proclaim your name this week, your good news, and share it with wherever Jesus has placed you? So then secondly, he prays for others who follow Jesus. You know this is hard. You know it's hard for you, and you know it's hard for them. Do you pray for them? Paul prayed for them and couldn't wait to be there with them. Why? To join the chorus of celebrating God's work with other people. So they would be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. We love to pray, hey, really help out Caden when he gets to the Marine Corps. Boot camp is going to be rough. And we all go, amen. But what about the guy who's been, who's been following Jesus for a long time, who goes into the Marine Corps and happens to be near him? Would they mutually encourage each other in their faith while they're at the boot camp in the Marine Corps? Absolutely. What I'm saying is Paul prays for them that they would be mutually encouraged, that they would be encouraged in their faith and pray for one another, but be willing to put the boots on to fulfill the requirement of the prayer. Paul was willing, hey, God, I really want to get there to encourage them. I'm praying for them. Help me get there so I can do it. Somebody comes to your house and says, I'm hungry. And you've got a load, you got a bunch of food in the cupboard. And you answer them, well, I'll pray for you. Sounds funny, except when it comes time to share our faith. You've got good news to share with somebody. Pray for people, but be willing to be the answer to Jesus' prayer with your own hands and feet. So you can mutually encourage one another by each other's faith. That's why we gather. That's why Sundays are so important. It's the halftime show. To say, how are you doing, brother and sister? How can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? Well, it's been a pretty tough week. Okay. Well, I'll call you on Tuesday. Can we meet for coffee this week? Because I've been praying for you. Great. I love it. you've been praying for me. Can I help be the answer to that prayer is the next step? Because it's prayer and action. So Paul also prays for neighbors and co-workers who have yet to follow Jesus. People who have yet to choose to follow Jesus. And you, how many in here have family that they've been praying for for a long time that refuse to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior? Are you willing to be the answer to that prayer? See, because Paul prays, man, Lord, save Aunt Billy. Aunt Billy, well, that was where gender malfunction. Uncle Billy. But I don't want to share Jesus with him. 
Do you see? Paul's prayer and then action. Pray for those who have yet to follow Jesus, so share Jesus and be the answer to somebody's prayer. If you have relatives in a different part of the state and you pray that, or in a different state completely, and you're like, Jesus, please save them. And there's somebody in that state that's praying for somebody down in Florida. Can you see how the answer to the prayer would be you sharing Jesus with your neighbor and somebody sharing their faith up in that state with their neighbor? Because there's answer to the prayer is actual people sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Because Paul prayed for the people in Rome who didn't know him. We like that part. But are you willing to put the boots on and then share the good news of Jesus Christ with them to answer that prayer? There's a whole bunch in Romans. So the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. If you like thesis statements, you like highlighting, you want to get to the core of the idea really quick, and you want the cliff notes. We're getting ready to get there for the entire book of Romans. Romans 1, 15 through 17. Romans 1, 15 through 17. The gospel defined. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, that is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Eager to share the good news. Can you feel Paul's heart in verse 15? I'm so eager to share this. He's ambitious. He's embedded with the anticipation of life-giving news that he can't wait to share with the other people. He's willing to be a spiritual medic on the battlefield of life, ready to go into someone else's life to preach or to share or to accurately communicate the good news or the gospel to people. Are you eager to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people who are on your city, right there on your street? Somebody had to have told you. You had to have learned it somewhere. And Paul says, I can't wait to get to Rome to share these ideas. Do you share that same eagerness? Because there's people who have yet to know Jesus who happen to share the same zip code as you, who hang out the same coffee shop as you do, or go to Walmart at the exact same time as you do who share the same water boil ban. Because all three of us went through that. That was fine. Right? This whole side of the room, we can all join hands and say, hey, we were part of the water ban. So did other people who didn't know Jesus Christ. So are we eager to share that good news? But let us not be ashamed of the gospel. What, declare, be proud that the gospel is true, that is life-changing truth, and it has a life-changing message. Because there's always going to be naysayers and mockers in every corner. But this is our reason for being alive. If Jesus has rescued you from sin, why didn't he just immediately beam you up, Scotty, like Star Trek? 
Because you are his ambassador then. You are his sent one then. You are the one to take the good news to other people. What baffles my mind is the creator of the universe spoke the world into existence and then people rejected him and he made a plan to reconcile with him and he uses those people to share his message. If we're going to pick an ambassador to go from Ocala to whatever country, we're not going to pick vile people that don't merit it. I would have probably picked Gabriel the angel. So when he showed up, and said, Jack, Jesus saves. He's promised to return. You've been like, whoa, Gabriel showed up. He didn't. He picked Rodlin. He's picked you, Caden, Sarah, for your neighbors to be the people to share that with. Doesn't that blow your mind that God's greatest news, the greatest thing he's ever done, he's chosen to use you and I as the people to share it. Be proud to declare. And that's why we read Mark 8. Jesus says, hey, if you come after me, it's going to be pretty tough. But if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Let that one simmer. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you when I return with my angels and my glory. good news is God's power of God. We love to say that because Caden, you used to live really, well, you still live close to the Grand Canyon. You can see it like your back door. But from us that have to travel like 3,000 miles to get there, it's really worth going to see. Have you, anybody here seen the Grand Canyon? Okay. Not very many, but you really, really ought to see it. It's a hole so big you could put, dump a cow in the bottom and it looked like a pinhole. It's amazing what God done with creation. To go to the beach and watch a sunset, that's amazing. To watch and look at flowers that God has created and say, wow, look at all the intricacies of these. God's handiwork is written all over this. But the greatest evidence of God's power is in changed lives. That's God's power revealed. Yeah, he sang and Mars came into existence. That's some cool stuff. But what Paul is saying, what God's word is saying, the evidence of God's power is in salvation. Jack becoming a new follower of Jesus is God illustrating his power. The good news is the power of God in salvation. good news brings salvation to everyone. Let me get this straight. Everyone. That includes the neighbor you don't like. That includes the jerk at work who cusses God's name every day. That includes the pedophile. That includes the murderer. That includes the self-righteous old lady who doesn't think she's ever sinned is better than everyone else. Who is not included in God's offer of salvation? Am I? 
When you go boldly to share the good news of Jesus Christ, don't you dare judge somebody and say, well, they're not worthy of that. The great news is about what God offers in the gospel. The good news of it is that it's available to everybody. Now hold your horses because we're next week. God is going to be really, really mad for a lot of verses. You're underneath a whole bunch of wrath and everybody's guilty. So we will come back to these verses next week. But Paul's going to spend a whole bunch of time proving to the recipients of this letter that everybody's a sinner. Sounds like our world today, doesn't it? Walk up to somebody and say, you're a sinner, you deserve to go to hell. And they'll be like, no, I really don't. I don't believe in hell. Or I'm actually a pretty good person. I'm not guilty. Or this one, who's God to judge me? Romans answers that. Here's the reason why God can judge you. But remember this, the good news is for everyone. If you happen to have a racist tick in your body, this is reason in the scripture to say that's not right. God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. And the free gift of the good news is for the unworthy, the unqualified, the undeserving. Because all you have to do to receive this gift is believe. And what does the word believe mean? Believe what God says is actually true. Is what's revealed in his word true? That's hard to convince nowadays. That's why I want to share Jesus Christ with somebody. I start all the way back in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created because the first few chapters of Genesis answers the question, who's in charge, why am I not, and why does life really, really suck? Genesis answers all that. Do you believe what the Bible, what God says is actually true? Do you believe in the good news of Jesus Christ enough that it affects what you do, think, and how you are? Because the difference between what's saying here is to believe as opposed to mental assent. Anybody who has raised teenagers knows what a mental assent to an idea is. Clean your room. Sure. I'll get to it. Yeah, Mom, you're right. What are you waiting for? Husbands, we get this all the time. We, want, we give our wives mental assent to doing something, but what they get really frustrated about is not when we believe it, it means putting feet to action. So what the, do you believe what the Bible says is true? What God says is true? Do you believe it enough that it changes who you are? When believing it is more than a mental assent that says, I think this way, I am this way, and therefore I will do and believe the gospel as God defines it. Really short, the gospel is Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and promise return. Long form, Romans 1 through 8. We're going to spend the rest of our time setting up base camp, going through what God's word says about what to believe when somebody says, here's the good news of Jesus Christ. Romans 1 through 8. So for in salvation, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
the unveiling of God's righteousness is evidenced in salvation. It's like salvation is where God pulled back the curtain and said, there's my righteousness. Now get this. This is hard to consume this morning. This why Romans can be difficult. You're telling me that God saving me reveals his righteousness. That's hard to think of it this way, but if you think about the good news of Jesus Christ is all about him, Jesus' work for you illustrated the Father's righteousness. You were guilty, there needed to be a payment, and he paid for it. It's righteousness revealed. Jesus paid the price. He isn't a heavenly Godfather that's weighing in the balances whether or not you're good enough to get there. All of next week will be you're under wrath. But when you pull the curtain back on the good news of Jesus Christ, it's God's way of revealing to you, I am a righteous God. And the righteous shall live by faith. The gospel is active. At work. In the home. Why is it so incredibly important that the righteous will live by faith? Because people are watching. Your kids, your neighbor, your co-worker. So the good news is Jesus Christ reveals God's righteousness. Pulled back the curtain. Jesus is revealed gives us our life purpose. It's more than just Jesus saves. Jesus saved you, therefore what? Righteous shall live by faith. So your neighbors see. So do you believe in the good news this morning? If you believe, are you eager to share it? Because don't tell me, you, well, you really believe it as long as it doesn't cost you anything. Because God is not the cosmic Coke machine of forgiveness. You put in a couple of prayers of, As we, please forgive me, into the cosmic Coke machine, and out the bottom comes a little bit of forgiveness. If you believe in the good news, do you live it? Can you take a test and say, hey, neighbor, do you think I'm a Christian or not? Because the cool thing about the work that God is doing in you is he's the active agent in it. Because you are spiritually dead and he put the defibrillating pads to you and so you came to spiritual life. It's God's work on display. Share it. Live it. Because you believe it. The good news. Jesus. Let's pray. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged, encouraged, and helped by God and His Word. If you'd like to learn more about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.